Good morning, good evening, good day, friends and family. Uh, welcome to and or back to the Jet Real Podcast. I am your host, Jill Treese, and today, boy, do I have a topic. So much so that I actually wrote out notes to make sure I covered everything that I wanted to. So, without further ado, let's get into the deep, dark topic of kissing spines. Oof. Welcome back. That was probably very loud on your ears. I apologize. Um, Anyway, this week's episode, as I said in the intro, we are going to be talking about kissing spine. Why, you may ask, because Zoe has recently been diagnosed and my life just gets better each week. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, so kissing spine, kissing spines often said, which doesn't really make sense because it's technically not more than one spine. It's vertebrae. So it's kissing vertebrae, so a kissing spine, singular, but fine, say what you will, I say kissing spine, um, anyway, or overriding dorsal spinous processes, um, good sneeze, kitty cat, um, so anyway, that's what's happening, we have kissing spine now, um, uh, from what I've read, some, like, 40-ish percent horses, uh, like, globally have, um, kissing spine, but, It doesn't affect them all. It doesn't make everyone back sore. Uh, I just got lucky. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's what we got going on. So, a bunch of you know that last week um, I talked about how I got her hocks injected. And I still think that was the right call because she has been a lot looser in her hocks. But she's still just so tight in her back. And, um, you know, I've had it suggested to me before. But not super... I mean, it's really hard for me to, like, pinpoint if people have ever suggested looking into kissing spine. I've more just heard it around, but, like, I think at some point last week, um, I started thinking about it, um, because I have a friend that's going through it right now with her horse, and I was just like, "Mm, I don't really know much about kissing spine, like, whatever, and, um, then, you know, when I started thinking about Zoe and how, um, you know, because, oh my god, sorry for the burp, um, when I work with her, um, she had ulcers, uh, for a while due to stress of her lifestyle, the way we were feeding, blah, blah, blah. And after her colic surgery, I did a lot of research on that and was like, okay, maybe we, um, decrease the sugar content in her food and, um, you know, make sure that she has access to hay and grass and is outside 24 seven, like really making moves to lower any possible sources of stress in her life. Ow, can you not? Dude, ow, that hurt very badly. Scratched me for no reason. No need to dig in the couch, you weirdo. Anyway, um, so fix the ulcer problem, uh, and I noticed that she probably had that because, um, a trainer, I was discussing how sensitive she was to brush, and she was like, kind of sounds like she has ulcers, and I was like, oh, you might be right. Um, and then I learned how to palpate for that and how to feed for that, so we got that fixed, and then I could brush her. She was totally fine with that, had to work on the girth, totally fine with that, and, um, so all of that was going very, very well, and, uh, but I started noticing that, um, or really just paying attention. I'm sure it's been happening for a while. I just didn't notice because she was sensitive to brush everywhere. But, um, I started noticing that when I would brush her or use a de-shedding tool, like one of the metal circular 
there's like two circles and a handle. Um, when I was using one of those, um, she was a lot more sensitive on her back than the other horses that I work with. And I was like, mm-hmm, that's probably not a good indication. <laughs> um, and so I immediately stopped riding her when I noticed that. And, um, <clears throat> and like somewhere in the same time, somebody had messaged me and was like, have you ever looked at kissing spine? They were like, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but just want to, have you ever looked at it? And I was like, oh, no, but that sounds like it would make sense. But every time I've ever looked at kissing spine, the symptoms are like bucking, rearing, blah, 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 horses, nasty. Um, and I, Zoe has never been like that. And I was like, I probably not. Um, but then, um, <laughs> I noticed and I started thinking back to my vet had me ride her after, um, she got her hawks done and he watched her go and she was like, she looks like she's going to buck. And, um, Sonny, my boss was there and she was like, no, that's just how she goes. She's not going to. And, um, she's just so tight in her back. Surprise. She's protecting it. And, um, so in doing so, she's staying like inverted, but curling her head like way too tight, like Roker AF. And, um, then kind of having her pine legs sprawled out behind her and, um, which could be the cause of why her hocks have been sore. Um, you know, if she's been inverted and her legs are just kind of like running out behind her, if she's not tracking up, um, all of those things are just improper movement. And so that's, that's sort of the direction we're going in. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So we decided that it was probably best that we get x-rays. So I called my vet and had them come out and they were like, why are you x-raying for kissing spine? And I was like, because, um, you said it yourself. She goes kind of weird. Um, so maybe let's just check it out. Okay. And, um, so we did. And, um, guess what we found? We found kissing spine. Thank you, vet, for making fun of me. I know I always have something going on, but, um, it's because I'm right. Um, sorry, harsh truth. Um, but anyway, we had him x-ray and he was like, oh yeah, she's got some kissing spine. And he was like, um, you know, we just had a horse that had the surgery done and he, um, wasn't even as bad as your mare is. And I was like, oh great, <laughs> I have to do surgery. And, of course, my parents were like, yeah, I don't think so. We've already paid for surgery on this horse. And I was like, okay, uh, I don't know what to do. So then I started researching it. And pretty much there are two surgical options for the horses. The one that my vet was recommending was the bone transection, um, where essentially they anesthetize the horse and then they go in and um, they just shave down the bones and sort of like you know, round them off or whatever, so that when they do start to collapse together again, they don't touch, um, or they're less likely to. The other option is the ligament transection. I'm sure there's a fancier name for it, but, um, a lot of people colloquially, it is known as the ligament snip or lig snip procedure where they go in and they jam some scissors between the horse's vertebrae and they cut the ligament or they get a slit in it and I just both of those options sound absolutely dreadful to me I am so sorry if you are a vet tech or a vet listening and you're like wow this child is ignorant as fuck but like that just sounds so bad like cutting a ligament permanently 
in the back of a horse or going in and shaving down their bones. Honestly, I'm more okay with the second one. The ligament snip is just like, mm, that hurts me a lot to think about. And I'm like, okay, uh, maybe not. Um, but, you know, I, I, the research I did said that um, Zoe wouldn't be a candidate for the ligament snip anyway, since her bones are overriding one another. Um, so we would have to do the bone transection, but somebody said that they can do the ligament snip anyway. I don't know. Anecdotal evidence. I don't know. Um, but, um, I had pretty much decided that I was going to have to do the bone transection and then shockwave mesotherapy, all of the other things that I'll get into in a moment. Um, but, um, I asked one of my friends who does positive reinforcement and, um, she was talking about, um, that that her horse also had kissing spine and I sent her my the x-rays of Zoe and she was like they those are way not even on the same level as where my horses were and I was like oh okay um and she was like so this is what I did for him we tried these treatment options and they didn't really work and then I just decided to really start building a top line and working with him doing a bunch of exercises hill work lots of walking long and low um on the ground for a few months and she was like, it completely cured it. And um, so it's doable. And the surgery typically has mixed outcomes. Um, now, to be fair, somebody sent me articles and said that the ligament snip has a 95% success rate. But I have also received several messages from others. Like a vet tech sent me a message and was like, um, you know, it tends to be pretty good right off the bat. Um, but you know, in the aftercare, the vets weren't super impressed with the horse's development. And I think that's because people like anything in life. Um, and I could be totally wrong in this, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. (laughs) Um, but I think that it's because you get the ligament snip or the bone transection and you go back to riding the exact same way you were. And the, the problem is still there. Like, you know, I mean, and maybe it's less likely to happen. Um, if the horse is still carrying itself incorrectly, if it has more space between its bones or a ligament, that's not there anymore. Um, so maybe it's less likely to happen and that's why the success is there. But I think that it, like, at least this is what I'm going to do with Zoe. I'm going to try to do the rehab properly and, um, build up her, her core strength because, What kissing spine is, is um, essentially just a collapsed spine, um, to put it crudely and unintelligently. (laughs) But um, so if you can imagine a horse's spine is like uh, a set of spikes, like in a row, if you've never seen one, Google a picture and this will make more sense. Um, So a horse's spine is being acted on by gravity in a perpendicular force. So the horse's spine is horizontal and gravity is vertical, obviously. On our spines, the gravitational pull is parallel, so we're being pushed down on from above, and the horses too, but the difference is their spine is laying flat. So to us, our spine compresses, and that's why a lot of people end up with like lower back pain because of gravity, and they start getting arthritic in there and start losing the um, cushion between their spine uh, or their vertebrae. And for horses, it's a downward pressure on the center of their spine, like where you sit. And with the added combination of you sitting on their spine, um, what happens is those little spikes start to fold together. Um, 
I, I'm having a really hard time coming up with a metaphor for this. Um, kind of like if you imagine like a, a wooden bridge, like a bridge with a bunch of planks on it, you know, like one of those dangling scary rope bridges. And um, if it's stretched out all the way, there are spaces between each wooden plank. But if you bend it up in the middle, those planks are going to touch together. And um, or if you stood on it, they would touch um, or perhaps think about, you know, those old fashioned, like compact brushes that would like have a little mirror and a little brush and you could pop it in and out. So if you pushed on it, all the bristles would push together and you could like shut it. But when you opened it, you could pop the bristles out and like, then you would have a brush. That's kind of like what happens when you push on the horse's spine with your body weight or gravity, then they, the spines come together like the bristles on one of those brushes. Or even if you just have a regular hairbrush and you poke your finger in the center of it and um, you hear all the air deflate and all the bristles come together in the center, that's sort of what's happening to the horse's spine during kissing spine. And it's because um, either the spine is weak or underdeveloped. Like a horse's spine doesn't set until they're six years old. And horses like Zoe, who go to the track, are often, like, Zoe got broken as a one-year-old. Like, she was a yearling. And I don't necessarily <laughs> agree or agree at all. Um, sorry about my mic. Um, but it happened, and I cannot do anything about it now. Um, so it's not, um, you know, it's not improbable to think that she's been dealing with this for a very long time. Um, because if you guys don't know, I got her when she came off the track in her three-year-old year and started, uh, I took her to a starter level show, um, in her three-year-old year and then started competing her pretty regularly. There was some off and on because I didn't own her, but, um, eventually started taking her through beginner novice and then I moved her up to novice when I bought her and then moved her up to training in 2018. Um, can you guys believe it's been t two years since I competed her? freaking crazy. I can't, like, I can't believe it's been so long, but anyway, um, so that's what happens. I keep doing that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but, um, on a weak spine, that much pressure, they're not strong enough. Um, and their spine isn't developed and ready for weight yet. Um, so that increases the likelihood of kissing spine. And that's probably why so many horses, especially horses at the track end up with kissing spine. Um, but the solution to this is to have a horse that has a really strong core so that when they, they go trotting around and they're carrying a rider, that they um, lift with their core and they push their back up. So if you're sitting down listening to this podcast, um, round your back, like how you're not supposed to do when you're riding, like push your stomach backwards and your shoulders forwards, like make a C with your upper body. That's what you want your horse to do while you're riding. They, and it requires core strength because they're fighting against gravity. So they're pushing up with their, um, core and their back, lifting their spine. And when they do that, like you can feel with your spine, you can feel your vertebrae separate out and that's what happens to the horse. So Obviously, if the horse has been living with chronic kissing spine, it can be a bit painful. Um, and also if they're underdeveloped, like Zoe is, um, and I'm sure that's why it started um, getting so bad, um, is because she was going hollow for so long. Like, she goes around with her head up and um, her back tight and her hind end not engaged. Um, so, of course, it's like, and you can feel if you, like, push your 
um, back forward and your stomach forward, you can feel your bind or your bind your back slash spine kind of compress, and that's what she was doing when she's hollowing and um, inverting her back like that. It pushes them together more, which causes more pain, and then she panics, hence the anxiety and the panicky tail swishing, blah blah blah. Makes a whole lot of sense. Can't believe. All th- I've had so many people look at that horse, I swear on my life. Like, I had a vet look at her once, and he was like, oh, I bet she has ovarian cysts or something. And I was like, and now looking back, I'm like, not kissing spines? We wouldn't think that? No? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> but like, um, I mean, I get, it's hard to be a vet. There's so many things that could be going wrong with horses at all times. Um, but anyway, so that is where we're at with that. Um, I called my vet, had the x-rays done. And I have been asking around about it quite a bit. And, um, you know, it's, it's just such a tough call because especially something like kissing spine, there are so many options. Like there is strictly therapy. There is, um, getting a, uh, God, I forget what PEMF stands for. It's like pulse. I can't remember what the P stands for, but it's like electromagnetic field and um, stimulates blood flow and healing, reduces inflammation and all that good stuff. And um, then there's mesotherapy where essentially they put like a ton of tiny little needles in their back. Um, a lot of people said they just did that once and then continued with shockwave, which uses um, a sound wave to stimulate blood flow. And then magnawave and there's just so many different things that you can do. Oh my God, I'm so frustrated, but it's fine. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at is just like trying to figure out what um, the best call is. And I have pretty much nixed surgery entirely for now. I get it that there are a lot of people out there um, that have done it, and I'm sure that it worked wonderfully for their horse. But I think that it potentially also maybe slightly encourages to just continue doing what you've always done. Um, And if I were to continue riding Zoe after getting the surgery the same way that I have been, um, I think... I would just see a problem come up again. And, you know, maybe she does need the surgery, but I have to save up the money for it anyway. So um, uh, I might as well just start rehabbing it now and see if I notice a difference um, in building a top line and asking her to engage her core and lift up with her back. Um, So that is my plan for right now. It feels like a very daunting task and kind of stresses me out a whole lot. And, um, last night I could not sleep at all. I'm pretty sure I laid in bed for an hour. Um, just couldn't sleep and was just on the verge of tears because I'm so like at a loss because it's just, it's really frustrating because as much as I love my vet and the practitioners that we do have here, it is really hard to trust the credentials. Um, like, I know my vet knows a lot, but he also is aging and is a cowboy, and there's nothing wrong with being a cowboy. However, he does tend to have the old school view that horses are kind of machines, and you just oil it, and then it's fine. Um, I have a different perspective from most people (laughs) Um, anyway, so um, that doesn't really jive well with me, and um, there's not really a whole lot of alternative therapy options coming from him. So I have to find them on my own, which is really frustrating and daunting because I'm not a vet. And, um, you know, I would love to get a second opinion and people have been like, well, reach out to X surgeon at X hospital, blah, blah, blah. Ask this kissing spine specialist. And I'm like, I would really love to. However, asking a surgeon is like, uh, they're going to recommend surgery. 
most of the time. Um, and I know that's not an unreasonable expectation, um, because if I send my x-rays to a surgeon, they're going to be, they're either going to recommend ligament snip or bone transection. And that is cool and great and fine, but I really would like to try avoiding doing that because the ligament snip is so permanent. You are cutting a ligament out of the horse's back. Like you're cutting it in half, the end, no more ligament. Um, and that just, it really does not bode well with me. I, I wouldn't recommend doing that on a human and it's just a last resort for me. Um, so if I have to go there, then I will start looking at it again. But I really think that, um, rehab is possible and it's just a lot of long and low work. I have read so many different people's testimonials being like, my x-rays were way worse than your horses. And you just have to really focus on long and low. A lot of people have suggested art to ride and that sort of thing. And um, I've looked at a lot of their videos and read a lot of their blog posts and that sort of thing. Um, their videos are $50 a piece, which is like, oh my God, <laughs> that is a lot. Um, and I cannot currently afford that. I mean, for the amount of videos that I would probably need, I don't know. It's expensive. Um, and I also have to factor in all of the therapeutic devices that I'm going to have to purchase, um, which is frustrating um, because I doubt my parents are going to want to help very much. So it's um, it's going to be all gill <laughs> um, and I don't make that much money. But yeah, so I'm kind of like, mm, maybe we'll see. But um, I've been watching what I can and like Equitopia or whatever I think on YouTube has been really helpful too. Um, the Masterson method, just looking at a bunch of different ways to massage and increase blood flow and, uh, reduce like stress and tension. Um, and I'm going to be a whole ass body worker by the time I'm done with this. Um, and then doing like lots of like the R2 ride stuff, the long and low in hand work, um, on the ground, getting her to stretch down today. I went out in her pasture and I was working with her and I cued her for calm, which is the head, my cue for head down. Um, I said that one time and then I began walking and pointing at the ground and kind of walking like a little bit crouched and she was walking with her head, like her nose practically dragging the ground. She's so intelligent. So I'm like, okay, we can get that. Now, if I could get some engagement and some lift, that would be great. But at least walking with her head on the ground is perfect. Um, because I can start taking her for walks and as she gets more comfortable with that, then we can, um, start queuing for that and that sort of thing, getting her to walk around with her head on the ground, stretching and, um, over her top line and getting her vertebrae to separate and she'll get stronger and stronger and stronger across the top of her back and, um, in her core, which, um, will, and I mean, that's not my only plan. I plan to do hill work, lots of stretches. Um, I plan to teach her to do, um, the crunches. Um, I'm going to see if I can invest in a balance mat. Like there are just a lot of things, um, that I have to do. I'm like exhausted at the idea of everything that I have to do. But, um, and that's the thing about kissing spines horses too, is like, you can't really ever stop. Um, that is one sentiment that I've picked up from everybody. Like a lot of people, there are some people just being like, I had to retire my horse, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, retirement sounds like kind of the worst thing you could do for them. Um, you know, I mean, before I probably would have said the same thing, but, um, you know, somebody commented and was like, you need to retire her and not make her a show horse. And I was like, <laughs> I posted the picture for attention. Leave me alone. She's not a show horse. She hasn't been for two years. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you stop riding them and they lose that muscle tone, they have nothing to keep that spine up. And then the kissing spine starts again. And I mean, I guess it's all right if you're not sitting on them and pushing it down further. But at the same time, I'm like, mm. so you kind of have to keep up 
the good work, you know, (laughs) you have to really stay on top of that and, um, keep the top line healthy and full and, um, just really strong and really focusing on correct engagement and having the horse lifted through the back and the, um, stomach and engaged under with their hind end and lifting in the front. Um, so that is, um, the plan is just to do a lot of that work from the ground and, um, eventually be able to transfer it under saddle. But I mean, it's going to be months of building and building and building. And I'm going to look into, um, getting like, um, like the Equiband system or something, which is $220, which makes me want to strangle myself because everything is over 300 freaking dollars. Um, but for now I might do like a polo wrap or something. Um, just anything to encourage her to, um, be aware of her hind end. It doesn't like pull them under themselves. Um, but it, it wraps around their hind, um, buttock, um, just to be aware and like ask them to, um, engage their hind in, um, it's proprioception. Um, and then also I'm going to have to invest in back on track blanket and saddle pads, um, things that I'll have to use before every ride to get her blood flowing and her back, um, you know, warmed up to reduce inflammation. Um, something else people suggested was the, um, it was like Equiox, Equiox or Equinox, some anti-inflammatory. Um, and then, um, Robaxin, I think Robaxin, I'm pretty sure. Um, it's a muscle relaxer to help decrease that tension so she can stretch over the top of her back. Um, and today I feel like I have been on a thousand phone calls. I called my vet and harassed him about sending me my x-rays because it has been since Friday and I still do not have them. And they told me they would send in. They still have not sent them. And it is 8 PM on Monday and I am very, Oh, it's 9 PM and I'm very irritated. <laughs> I would like my x-rays. Um, and I called my saddle fitter cause I was like, she has kissing spine. I don't know what to do. And Hillary is my girl. She is so nice. I love her. And we talked, um, forever. She had some horses with kissing spine and, um, she talked to me about what she did with them and, um, all that good stuff. And, um, she was like, your saddle is a spring tree. It's great for that. Um, it fits her well. And she was like, you know, her body's going to change a lot when you start building a top line. And I was like, I know this. So I'm not even going to bother having you out until a few months from now when I feel like she has a sufficient top line, in which case then I will harass you until you get out here and fix the saddle. Cause I will not sit in it until it is fitted perfectly to her because I do not want to, um, cause I mean like if her saddle doesn't fit, she's going to get hollow cause she'll be in pain from the saddle and then, um, we'll just reintroduce kissing spine. So, um, and I don't think my saddle's done that at all. I'm pretty sure it fits her very well right now, which is not great cause she doesn't have a top line. Um, but then I talked to a chiropractor in my area. Um, I got several suggestions on Facebook for them and several different numbers, but I'm going to try this lady. Um, and she's going to come out tomorrow and, um, adjust Zoe. And then we're trying to get, um, a body worker out pretty soon after, um, so that she can like relax the muscles so that her muscles, um, that don't immediately pull her spine or any other thing that gets adjusted out of whack. And then, um, I also got in contact with a man who does MagnaWave, um, but I'm pretty sure he's leaving 
soonish. I forget what month they said he's leaving in, but he has to go back to Delaware, so he'll only be here for a few weeks. But I'm going to use and abuse that man until I, <laughs> until he's, uh, has to go because I need him to magnawave her. Um, and if none of these terms that I'm saying make sense to you, you are more than welcome to Google. I'm pretty sure magnawave, it's like this big halo thing that you put on them and it's an electro, an electromagnetic field and it kind of just pulsates. It's a lot less painful than shockwave. Shockwave, they often have to be sedated because it's kind of painful with all of the, um, high intensity frequency sound waves. Um, anyway, from my understanding, uh, I'm an amateur. Leave me alone. Um, so, with that said, treatment plan summarized. Chiropractor tomorrow, body worker soon. Magnawave, uh, dude's coming on Wednesday. Or, I mean, Thursday. He moved that. Um, I have a chiropractic appointment of my own on Wednesday. Um, and then I am looking into um, getting maybe an equilibrium therapy massage pad. It goes on their back and it's sort of... Um, just massages their back, same thing, stimulates blood flow, loosens their back, um, alleviates some tension. And there's a sports vibe blanket too, but that's almost twice the price of the equilibrium massage pad. And I kind of just need it for like that one point in her back. And the sports vibe is just like, that's really expensive for not a lot. Cause I've used a sports vibe before. Um, Zoe's owner before me had one. And I already hit her up and she sold it, so <laughs> I can't use that. Um, but the um, the sports, it's just not, it's not like a stellar product. Like, it's just not worth paying $700 for, in my opinion. It, like, it has two strips on the neck and on either side, um, one on either side, and then one strip on the back, one strip on the other side, and one strip on the buttock and then on the other side. And it's just, like, cool. But <laughs> I think that the equilibrium pad is, um, going to be a little bit better and a little bit more, um, nuanced, like specific for her back. Um, and so, yeah, I think, um, that is about it. Um, I think I covered everything I really wanted to talk about on the front of like what we're doing, how I figured it out, the x-rays and who I've been consulting. Um, and I know, um, I, cause every time I do a podcast episode like this, like I got a ton of emails about her hawks and whatnot. Um, and I'm sure I will get some about the kissing spine. Um, but, uh, I have had a lot of people recommend me the Pessoa system and I really don't want to put her in one. Um, especially after some stuff I read, um, you know, from people who do classical dressage and a lot of in-hand work, they were like, um, you know, the goal is to get the horse to be relaxed over the top line. And some horses, if they hit the end of the Pessoa system and like, you know, feel that pull, it automatically causes tension and they start, they can hold themselves artificially. And, um, I know some horses would be fine and they would lean into it and it's whatever. Zoe is not like that. Zoe is Miss Sensitive Pris, and I am not projecting. I know, and I'm sure if you've ever watched me work with her, you know that that is how she is. Um, so I am going to do it organically without that sort of thing. Like, the only rigging that I would be comfortable using is the, like, um, equiband uh, that just, it doesn't push their hind end under or pull them. It just kind of encourages um hind end awareness and using or 
promotes engagement. Um, whereas the Pessoa system or things of that nature can sort of be a little bit artificial. And the last thing I need is for her to be even more tense in her back. Um, so I'm just kind of going to stay away from that. I've been recommended so many different rigs on Facebook and I just like, no thanks. I will figure it out myself. Um, and Zoe's always been a pretty good lunger anyway. So if I do decide to start doing lunging, um, then we can work on it from there. Um, but for now I would like to keep it, um, pretty much positive reinforcement, hands off, letting her, um, use her body the way she's comfortable with and, um, encouraging long and low stretch down all that good stuff. Um, so beyond that, there are some things that I would like to talk about as to why I think that this took so long to figure out, um, you know, the kissing spine and, um, what's going on with her and, uh, soapbox is in front of me and here I go. I'm stepping onto it. Are you ready? (laughs) Um, so in our industry, it is wildly common for horses to get labeled as hot and spicy or marish or grouchy or bitchy or dickish or angry or grumpy, like all of the negative things that you could call a horse. And, um, a lot of people even end up priding themselves. Like I did for a little bit on riding such a difficult, hot, um, spicy mare. Um, you know, like (laughs) it's just, I mean, you look cooler when you're riding an animal that's difficult and you're handling it. Um, but, uh, in my opinion, you look a lot cooler when you have a horse going around nicely. Um, my values have since changed. I don't know if you can tell. Um, but yeah, so that is obviously a bit of a problem. Um, because how are you ever going to fix anything if, um, every time the animal does something, you know, communicative, you write it off as a personality trait. I think I've explained this before that, um, in psychology, it's called the fundamental attribution error or, um, uh, oh, I'm losing the term on the other one. Um, it could be the self-serving bias maybe. Um, but you're more likely to attribute, um, you know, things that go wrong, um, for you to environmental factors. You know, if you're having a bad day and you're feeling grouchy and you snap at someone, you're going to be like, ah, I snapped because I'm having a bad day. Um, the fundamental attribution error works the opposite direction where the person that is receiving your snap is like, oh, well, they're just a bad person. It's a reflection of their character and their personality that they're behaving like that. And, um, you know, we do it to everyone all the time. You know, you go to the grocery store and your uh, cashier is not being very nice or responsive to your attempts to be a polite, nice individual. Am I speaking from experience? (laughs) Yes. Um, but, uh, and you know, you go, ah, she's such a bitch, but like, uh, maybe they're having a bad day, you know, like, but inwardly we're like, mm, they didn't, they weren't nice. So it must be who they are. And we do that to horses. We do it so much every time. Like I can, I've been to so many clinics with so many professionals and I've ridden under a bunch of different trainers and they go, well, she's just hot or she, in order to ride a hot horse, you must X, Y, Z. And, um, or somebody's spicy today, or when she's bucking, like, they're laughing and think it's hilarious. And now, like, uh, how I feel now, and the way that I view the world, um, and the way that I view horse training, I just, that makes me want to bang my head against a brick wall. I'm like, how are we not seeing that this is a problem? Like, horses are such kind, calm, peaceful animals. All they want to do is just chill in a pasture. Like, that's it. They're good. 
They just want to be peaceful and relaxed. Any amount of stress, like the, the, the effect that it has on their bodies is so intense. Stress can cause them to colic and die. It can cause them to have ulcers, which can cause them to colic and die. You know, I mean, down to when they get stressed, they start, um, they like all of their body. It just shuts off all function. I mean, ours does too, but that's, um, the, oh my God, synaptic. No. Oh my God. <gasps> Jillian, sympathetic nervous system. Um, and then when they start coming down to the parasympathetic, then they start licking and chewing and relaxing and digestion starts back up. So they start salivating. That's why they lick and chew. If you did not know that it is not because they're learning or thinking it's because they're coming down from being stressed. Um, and so like their body is very obvious with tells and horses that, um, are experiencing pain are often very subtle about it at first because they're prey animals. They don't need, you know, the, uh, attacker or the predator to, um, to know that they're in pain. So they're very good at hiding it. They're very, um, stoic creatures. And, um, you know, when a horse does start expressing something, you should probably pay attention to it because that's not how they want to behave. Horses are not evil or usurpers inherently. If they're acting defiantly, it's probably because something is wrong. And, um, that has been my experience. I have yet to meet a horse that is just outright defiant because, um, it has nothing better to do. Um, most horses, if you ask them to jump over the moon, they would be more than happy to, um, because they're, just kind creatures who really want to work with you. I mean, they're, they're so game most of the time, but we take that for granted. And when they don't obey, um, like a good little servant, then we write them off as assholes or as hot mares. And that's what happened with Zoe. You know, um, I found out a while back, um, that my old trainer was, um, talking about me to a friend of mine and, um, when I was getting my new saddle and, um, uh, I was having the fitter come out to the farm and my friend was like, you know, she's having the fitter out to get a custom saddle for Zoe. Um, you know, she's really trying her best and trying to make this mare comfortable. And my old trainer was like, well, she needs to, um, stop looking outside herself for the problems and get changing tack and equipment all the time and just needs to fix her riding. And, that is very offensive. Number one, um, I confronted her about this and we talked about it and, um, of course did not admit to it. (laughs) Why would she? Um, but I trust my friend. Um, I do not think that they would lie about that. Um, at all. Um, there's no motivation there, but, um, obviously my coach, uh, would lie because it makes her look bad. Um, but she, um, you know, was, and I was like, that's really offensive because I don't know who's trained me all these years, but you, (laughs) um, and I was like, you know, that just sucks to hear it. And they were like, well, I didn't say that. So, um, but that is beside the point. The point is, um, that like, that's the, that's the thinking, you know, if the horse is acting badly, the rider sucks or, um, you know, the horse is just an asshole. And I have always done everything in my power. I've taken off nosebands. I haven't ridden with a nosebands since I was like 15, unless it was for a show and my trainer demanded it. 
Um, that is the only circumstances that I will ride with a noseband to this day out here with Sunny. She's like, you need to put a noseband on that horse. And I'm like, oops, did I forget? I sure did. Um, I just don't like nosebands and I find horses go better without them. Um, so sue me. Uh, I've always just been very much, let's try a different bit. Let's try a different saddle. Let's see. Cause I want the horse to be as comfortable as possible. I never want to have to force them to deal with something that is uncomfortable. And that's what I've always done for Zoe too. I, it's been years of trying to figure out what is going on with this horse. And it just now occurred to me that she probably has kissy spine, um, which I would have loved to have had the opportunity to check a few years ago and see maybe. Um, but I also probably would have opted for the surgery and then not have done the proper rehab because I didn't have a trainer or a me that knew what they were doing. So probably would have ended, um, not super well. Um, but Anyway, it's frustrating because, you know, and then, um, I was talking to Sunny about this and she was like, well, that's ridiculous because if you get on flit and I'm, I'm not tuning my own horn here, it is strictly just evidence supporting my argument here. She was like, if you get on flit, a horse who does not have kissing spine, you go and get a 25 and win the whole show, <laughs> like, you know, or 25 in the dressage, if you're not familiar, um, that's a very low score. And she was like, a shitty rider can't get a 25 in dressage and cannot win. So it's not you, and it's not that you had a super fancy horse. Flit is a hard-to-put-together horse. He has the movement, but you have to be able to ride it as well. And she was like, it's not that you're a bad rider. It's that your horse is in pain. And nobody wanted to admit, like, just wanted to attack me. And um, I'm getting a little bit whiny. I'm sorry. Um, it's so annoying. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's frustrating because um, that's the that's the narrative that we... Um, you know, as an industry like to write is if the horse is misbehaving, it's because the horse is bad. It's because the horse is defiant or wants to misbehave. It's not because the horse is trying to tell you something, you know, and that's so frustrating to me and also so ignorant and like not helpful at all. Um, and I think it all stems from the idea that horses, if you don't, you know, become their leader or show them who's the alpha or the, you know, herd leader, or whatever arbitrary, you know, already disproven theory um, that nobody seems to want to look at, um, then it just perpetuates this notion that when the horse is misbehaving, you have to dominate it. You have to show it who's boss. You have to make the horse do it. You have to end on a good note. You have to push the issue and make the horse do what you want it to do. When the horse... In all likelihood, if it could, it would do exactly what you're asking. Or if it understood, it would do exactly what you're asking. Or if it, you know, I mean, I was going to say if they wasn't afraid. But even then, horses will do things that they don't want to do because they're afraid of you. That is how most horse training works anyway. Or because they're in pain. Um, but it's just, it's so frustrating that that is what I've, you know, just the realm that I lived in for years and I didn't question it. Because, I mean, I can take responsibility for this, too. Like, I didn't, you know, I always had a thought in the back of my mind, but I didn't do anything about it. I didn't change. I wanted to keep competing, so selfishly, that's what I did. And I'm not saying that anybody out there who keeps competing is selfish. That's not what I mean. I knew something was wrong and chose not to do anything about it because um, I was just, like, ego borrowing and relying on the people around me to let, like, a perfect example. My car... I have never checked the oil on it ever because I don't know how to do that. Um, I do now. Thank you. Um, but uh, I was counting on my oil light to come on 
if I needed to check it. And other than that, it's been to like the shop or whatever. I have to bring it in every so often for them to look at it and do maintenance on it. So they always did it. But um, I was counting on my car to pop up with an oil light when it was low on oil. Um, and it never did. It just ran out of oil and I never knew about it because it didn't pop up with an oil light. And that's what I was doing with my riding, you know? I was counting on somebody else to tell me if something was wrong with my horse. Instead of trusting my gut and my intuition, I knew there was something going on with Zoe, but I wanted to compete, so I kept going and turned a blind eye to it. And that... And I just wrote her off as a hot mare. And, you know, you can go back and watch my old videos. And when she was being hot and bucking or rearing or clearly acting like she was, you know, just freaked the fuck out. Um, I, I was just like, she's just a hot mare. And don't tell me how to ride my horse since you've never ridden her. But, like, bite me. <laughs> like, that's so just ignorant. And it frustrates me because that that toxic ideology is what gets us into messes like this where it has been six years of me working with this horse and never looking at her back when it is so obvious like uh, all I had to do is get a few x-rays they're not expensive just had to get like I think my vet took three x-rays and was like she has kissing spine the end like could have done that years ago but no I was too busy um me and everybody else saying that she's a hot spicy mare and um you know you just have to deal with it like Ugh, that hurts my brain and my heart so bad. Like, please, please, please. Just, can we make this the generation of horse people that stops doing that and stops riding horses off as jerks and acknowledges the fact that they don't want to be acting like that? Like, how often have you been in a bad mood and been like, yep, this is my demeanor for the rest of my life? Hardly ever. Most people are like, I want to be happy and peaceful that is exactly how horses want to be. Why would they want to be grouchy and angry unless they have a reason to? Duh. Like, so simple when you think about it. And I never did, so I'm not faulting everybody out there. It's just it's just the way of the horse world, honestly. And it's a pathetic, sad truth. It pisses me off a whole lot. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> um, because I'm just like, I, I don't know. I'm really bitter because, um, you know, this entire time, I didn't know my trainer felt that way about me until I stopped riding with her. Um, which, I mean arguably it could be because I stopped riding with her, um, that she said those things, but I'm sure some level of sentiment was in there about it. And, um, that's really frustrating that the whole time I'm riding with this person that I trusted and I really valued the opinion of just thinks I'm a shitty rider and like, doesn't try. Like if, oh my, that's just so frustrating. Cause I feel like I'm one of the people that tries the hardest to learn. And, um, it's just, it's really disheartening to not have somebody you thought believed in you and cared to not. So, I mean, a little attachment injury there hurt me. But beyond that, it's just like, it, it damaged my horse because she didn't get the help that she needed when she really needed it. And now all I can do is try and hope that I can reverse the damage that I've done and, um, you know, bring her back into health. And I mean, like, obviously, if my rehab program doesn't work, um, which I'm pretty sure it will, at least I'm really, really hopeful that it will, um, then I can go ahead with the surgery. But I plan on um, really working her, um, just doing lots of lots of lots of walking and hill work and everything that I suggested earlier, and then moving it up to trot after a little while, and um, just really focusing on having a conditioning program and building her top line all on the ground and um, taking pictures. And when I see a noticeable difference, then I can start 
upping it. And um, when I feel like she's really got a strong back, we can take some more x-rays and I can see if there has been a change and um, if we can um, start riding again. In which case, I'll have my saddle fitter come out and reflock my saddle. But I really have a feeling that's going to be a couple months from now um, that I'm it's, it's probably going to be this fall that I'm able to, you know, get back on her. Um, but I'm really planning on, um, dedicating myself to this and making sure that I can give her, um, you know, redemption, (laughs) give me redemption, um, and get her where she feels comfortable and is happy to have me on her back because she's strong and she can handle it. And that's why I think that it got so obvious to me lately is because when she lost her top line, because I hadn't ridden her for two years after the colic surgery and all that. Um, then when I brought her back into work, it just was really obvious that, um, you know, her back was hurting cause I had such a stark difference, um, from it had always been like this to this is weird, you know? Cause when I was riding her regularly, I was like, oh, she's just always been like that. But now it stands out to me more cause it's been a while since I've worked with her, you know? Um, and in losing that top line, the symptoms got more severe, So, um, like I said, I'm pretty sure she's been living this, living with this for a while, but I wasn't really focused, um, so much on correct biomechanic riding, you know, um, back when I was riding her regularly. So all that to say that, um, I have a treatment plan and it doesn't involve surgery. And I know that a lot of people are really huge proponents of it. I just, it makes me really uncomfortable. And like I said, I'm not totally closed off to it. If it is what we need to do, it is what we will do. I will find the money for it, but, um, I would just really rather rehab it myself and, um, ride correctly. Because like I said, if I, you know, did the surgery and continued to ride her like shit, like it's going to be the same issue. She has to learn how to train her body to lift and carry herself and develop the muscles correctly. And, um, you know, a lot of that is going to require a big team of people that, um, can help her stay in good health to where she, um, feels good enough to where she can do that. And then eventually some of that will be able to like fall off or create, um, or go at bigger intervals. Like I won't have to get her chiropractic every week or whatever. Like it can just be a few days, um, or like every other week or every month. Um, ideally because, oh my God, chiropractors are expensive. (laughs) Um, but anyway, yeah, that is our plan. Um, If you would like to send me an email about your experiences with it, please um, be aware that I have done a lot of research on it. Um, And uh, I'm really not comfortable putting her in a rig, like a Pessoa system. Um, I don't really agree with those um, anyway, um, but I'm not denying the fact that they can work on some horses. Um, But I I would like to teach Zoe how to do it organically um, so that when the rig isn't on, that she will still carry herself that way. Um, and I know that's the goal of like rigs, like the Pessoa system, but, um, that's often not the case. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I have the Masterson, uh, Beyond Horse Massage book sitting beside me. (laughs) I bought that like two years ago and just haven't looked at it. Um, I'm finishing my, um, for fun novel right now, and then I'm going to start reading that, um, and trying to burn through it so I can learn how to, um, you know, do some body work on Zoe and help her, um, you know, have her blood flow going right and reducing some tension and stuff so that we can really, um, promote that health and, um, welfare that I'm looking for and just getting her back into good shape 
um, using herself. And hopefully we're going to come back better than she's ever been before. And hopefully I will have a calm and relaxed, happy horse under saddle. Um, and also, um, it would be really nice if I could do this, um, as many before me have and, you know, show my vet and be like, look, don't have to recommend surgery to everyone. There is a, um, therapy protocol that works where we don't have to just immediately go dicking around in their backs. Um, and I know that's a crude way of putting it, but I just like really (laughs) just, am not super open to that idea. Also quickly, I want to wrap up the episode by reading a few messages that I got, um, that pretty much summarize what I've been trying to say this entire time. Um, one lady messaged me and she said, I suggested looking at the horses with kissing spine Facebook page, which I am now a part of, um, Because you'll find that a ton of people who chose surgery will see good results immediately after, but will run into long-term issues. The ligament snip, for instance, um, people will see results afterwards, but because the vertebrae are basically loosened, but once they try to bring the horse back into work, they can't fully engage their back because they, like, need that ligament. Um, It's a very important ligament. The bone reshaping, I'd imagine, also produces results right away, but doesn't solve the real problem, which is that the spine is inverted. In order to truly resolve kissing spine, you have to teach the horse um, to change the way it carries itself. They need to strengthen their core and lift their back and to round their spine and move the vertebrae apart. Um, art to ride teaches them how to do it from the ground and eventually under saddle quickly interjecting here. This is jail interjecting, not reading a message. Um, I've watched a lot of what art to ride does and maybe their older videos, but a lot of it is a little whip aggressive for me. Um, but I think the principles are good. So just want to throw that in there that that's my opinion on that. Um, Anyway, continuing her message, um, they call it classical dressage method, but it teaches relaxation over the back and then true back core hind end engagement from a long and low stretch position, slowly bringing them into higher collection over time. The trainer emphasizes that when done correctly, it takes about two years to build a correct top line and proper engagement, which is about right for us. Um, uh, I'd say like one and a half years ago, um, into training or I'd say I'm at one and a half years into training my horse's back. He moves better than any horse at the barn. Um, people don't believe he has kissing spine until I show him the x-rays. Um, the key is to cut the pain cycle so that their uh, back is comfortable enough to stretch and lift. The pain will be reoccurring until the muscles are strong enough to hold the spine up and relieve that pain. So throughout training, you will have to treat the back and body pain often. We use mesotherapy one time, chiro, acupuncture, cold laser, red light therapy, massage, PMF, all of it. Just whatever I felt like he needed at different stages of the training. Also custom saddles a must. Lots of work from the ground. I didn't even get on his back for maybe six months. And when I did, I only walked for probably four to five months. Haha. <laughs> it was very slow and takes a lot of listening to your horse, but so, so worth it if you have the time and patience. And then offered that I am able to talk to her whenever I would please. And uh, I thoroughly love people like that. And I could not agree more with her opinion. Um, you know, I read, you know, I, I know the studies show that um, the ligament snip is successful or whatever. And I'm sure that it is for um, x-rays and stuff. But for a long-term use, like like she said, the problem is not that the back is dysfunctional. It's that the horse isn't using itself correctly. It's never been taught and also being expected to carry a person. So it's not going to really have, um, that lasting impact. Um, so yeah. And I also want to read another, um, message that I got, um, really fast. Um, 
I usually keep my thoughts to myself online, but when I saw you were considering different treatments for Zoe's kissing spine, just felt like sharing what I've seen. I'm currently working as a vet tech for an equine practice that does a good bit of sports medicine work. My thoughts are based on the cases I've seen slash what the vets uh, I work for have to say about them. Personally, I've not seen good results from the surgery. The surgeons that perform the procedure do truly believe in it, but the vets I work with that provide the care afterwards are not impressed with the results. A lot of horses are either initially better, but a few years down the road, the vertebrae start to impinge again, or sometimes the surgery just isn't successful from the beginning. Um, the treatment plan has seemed to work, uh, that has seemed to work the best, depending on the severity, is putting the horse on Robaxin, which is what I was talking about earlier, um, a, muscle, a muscle relaxant that helps loosen the muscles over the back. These muscles usually get very tight due to the pain that the vertebrae are causing. Also, sometimes equiox can be helpful and anti-inflammatory. That is easier on their stomach than butte, so it can be put on for longer periods of time. If symptomatic medication isn't enough to make the horse comfortable, they also say to inject the vertebrae that are impinged. Once the horse is more comfortable, it's all about strengthening the back. I'm not sure how you feel about the Pessoa, but they're very helpful with strengthening the back. Um, without having the horse be under saddle, uh, while it's not a cure, um, once the horse is in a consistent program and has built up sufficient muscles slash strength through their back, they are usually more comfortable and better able to cope with the impingement they have. So that is another message, um, basically saying the same thing with some more, um, you know, veterinary backgroundy things. Um, and I'm not saying a vet tech is necessarily like the end all be all, but, um, it is nice to hear that I'm not the only one that feels that way about it. And it does seem to be a common theme that yes, the surgery works for what it's supposed to work for, but, um, the, that doesn't address the real problem. The kissing spine is a symptom of bad riding, um, and not bad riding, incorrect riding, um, where the horse just isn't truly engaging themselves and using themselves correctly because they don't have the muscles to do so. And you have to teach them how, and it takes a long time. And that's just not how most of traditional training works, which is no surprise that so many horses have kissing spine. Um, anyway, that is my long ramble about that. I feel like those two messages pretty, pretty well sum up, um, my opinion and where I'm at. Um, with that. And I think I have probably beat this horse to death. Um, so yeah, to review, my plan is just to really teach Zoe how to, um, use herself correctly. And it's going to be a minute, uh, before I sit on her again. And when I do, I'm going to make sure that we have taken all the steps, um, to do it correctly. And that it's probably going to be a lot of walking and hill work and things of that nature. So, um, but I'll be careful on the hill work so I don't do a suspensory. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think that that probably about wraps it up. I hope I've covered all my bases here. I hope that I'm not offending anyone. If you have done the kissing spine surgery, more power to you. Make sure that you are rehabbing it correctly and taking it seriously. Um, because it is your horse's back and it will affect um, their longevity. So... With that, I think I'm going to wrap up this episode. Um, be kind to your horse. Don't write them off as hot or an asshole. Look for the actual problem. Um, behavior is always a symptom. Uh, and don't make them yell at you where they are biting and kicking and rearing and bucking. Don't make them scream. Listen to them when they pin their ear or they seem uncomfortable or they shift away from you. They are trying to tell you something. Anyway... Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to check out next week's episode. Next week's episode I have already recorded, like I said, um, and it is largely um, you guys' questions. I answered some of your um, emails that you've sent in and talked a lot about um, retraining um, saddle fit, and I touched some more on kissing spine and all of that. So um, please check out 
the next week's episode it will be coming to you soon it might even pop up as a bonus episode early who knows um but in order for you to stay in the know so that you know when it's posted if your phone doesn't notify you follow me on instagram at jet real podcast so you'll know because i post about it every single time and i also post about it on jet equa theory um also throughout all of this the place that i have been most active has been on twitter i have posted regular updates and what i'm doing and that sort of thing so be sure to follow me jet equa theory on there and um yeah i also have a youtube but beyond that i think that's gonna it's gonna do it for this episode thank you for listening to me ramble far too much about kissing spine um yeah again i'm not a vet and but i do feel like i have some grasp on what i'm talking about now um but anyway that is my disclaimer and i'm done with this episode now (laughs) thank you so much for listening and all of your kind words and support and thank you so much to everyone who has reached out to me and offered me their anecdotal experience and what they've found what they've done and what works best for their horse um i really really do appreciate it um And with that, I will leave you guys. Thank you so much. Check back with us next Tuesday. I'll see you guys then.